Moncton Wildcats, please make your selection. S'il vous plaît, procédez à votre sélection. The uh, Moncton Wildcats are proud to select from the Phoenix de Collège Soblaudin, Adam Fortier Gendron. Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to Wildcast Studios for the post-draft episode of the Wildcast Podcast. I picked up a little bit of an accent while I was over in London. Oh, that was, oh, that was British. Okay. <laughs> yeah, why not? I, I, I don't thought know. we were going to do one of those, uh, good night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> From Austria? Yeah. Uh, welcome into the Wildcast uh, Podcast, your unofficial voice of all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, finishers, I am your host, Adam Lund. And of course, I am joined by your favorite co-hoster, Mr. Jeremy Boucher, sir. It's been a minute. How are you? Well, you know, the hair is still growing. <laughs> um, and if I would have shaved today, uh, yep. there would be a pretty revealing mustache. Oh, it's a, you probably saw it on the uh, on, on the, the live. live. Yeah, yeah the first thing Layla good. commented, you guys weren't camera ready, eh? I was like, <laughs> not not in the not slightest. Prepared. Nope. No. Uh, before we do get started, I do want to give a shout out here to uh, hashtag not a sponsor. Yep. Um, the Pump House. Uh, they have this new King's Tea. It's basically iced tea beer, and it's absolutely delicious. Uh, so if you're looking for a nice, refreshing summer drink to enjoy at the beach or at the cottage with your friends and family, go grab yourself a box of the King's Tea from your local NB Liquor. Uh, legal drinking age required. See, you may not be able to close the show and open the show and ask first questions and stuff like that, but you can sure nail a read if we were ever sponsored by uh, the Pump House Kings. Just team. call me Mariano Rivero because I'm a great closer. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm still undefeated in U7 football? Soccer, as we call it here. Uh, yeah. Uh, but... Your British is still um, yeah. clearly uh, in you. Um, yeah, I've kept my record intact. In I'm yep. still undefeated in U7 girls soccer. Uh, the Ladybugs, undefeated. Um, it's on my resume. That's a, There's one place to start, right? Volunteer work. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and if you can see on the YouTube, if we're there, got a couple new stickers, the Czech Republic and oh, Austria. Nice. Um, yeah, it was, uh, no kangaroos in Austria. <laughs> no, which, yeah, that's, that's actually a thing in Austria. Um, cause when I sent you, we were going to Vienna, you had sent, uh, the famous, uh, dumb and dumber. Good day, mate. Good day, mate. Oh, oh throw some shrimp on the bob, eh? That's a lovely accent. Austrian? <laughs> Australia. New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey. <laughs> um, and I walked into a store, and literally, there is a no kangaroos in Austria sign. Like, I just, I took a picture for you, and then I ended up getting a magnet because I was like, I, I can't not uh, not get something for you. But, uh, yeah, no, the trip went well. Um, quite a different experience over there. The food was uh, was really good everywhere. Um, I was sharing all my food pics with uh, Jeremy as I was instructed to. Um a lot of Italian, as you noted, wasn't a lot of. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I can't put goulash. That's like Hungarian. Yeah, yeah, it was. But had fish and chips in London. Yeah, unbelievable. I was not not to say I'm disappointed in you, Adam. Yeah. Oh. But the fact you didn't go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, you know, pay that extra ten, twenty dollars, and well, I mean, where's when the we- lamb sauce? <laughs> When we got to London, so we'd already been canceled in the Czech Republic on our flight the first time. Uh, going there was fine, and then apparently it went to shit on the airlines, and, and not just Air Canada, every airline. But uh, so our first flight from the Czech Republic was supposed to be at 9 p.m. Um, then we're going to get into London at 11. We're going to have till the next morning at uh, or the one day, and then fly out at like 9 a.m., get back to Halifax at 1 p.m. on Thursday. And so then we tried to get on an earlier flight. So we went to the Czech airport at uh, 1030 in the morning and didn't get on that flight. So we were at the airport from 11 till about seven o'clock to get on the nine o'clock flight. Luckily, we have the PC MasterCard. So there's a MasterCard lounge there. So we got free food in the lounge, able to relax, nice chairs. Great. So we go down to get ready for our flight. And the lady who uh, the Czech Republic and it's just a, a they are very matter of fact like mm-hmm. i like somebody lost their cell phone and i got yelled at because i brought it to the reception desk to give them the <laughs> cell phone she's like why do you touch that i'm like 
because it was lost. But why did you why did you touch it? Why did you bring it here? You shouldn't have done that. I'm like, well, in Canada, if somebody loses something, you take it where people can find it. Yeah. Uh, no, that's no, that was not technically allowed. So, anyways, so we're there till nine o'clock. Then we find out the flight's been delayed. It hasn't even left London, so we're delayed by two hours. Then because of time curfew, London can't take flights at 1 a.m., so we're canceled. So then we get a hotel that was probably a 40-minute cab ride, so it was 6,600 Kron, which was $95 Canadian, um, which Air Canada paid for and reimbursed us. The hotel was covered. Then we got a flight at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon that next day, got to London at about 4 Found out an hour and a half into London that we were canceled for a whole nother day. And on top of that, it was from Halifax to Montreal to London on Friday. Got home in Halifax at, what, I think, 11.30. Gross. She's like, oh, do you want to stay, like, maybe one more night? No. No, I want to go to my home. I want to sleep in my bed. So, uh, but that, I mean, we didn't really have a lot of time in London because she bought these hop-on, hop-on tour that you just drive around see all the sites and stuff. So we were able to do that because they were non-refundable. So we had them for 24 hours. That's what we did. But I highly recommend Vienna. I highly recommend going to London. We'll probably go back to London. Uh, but I think if anything, next year, we might just take you to the Calgary Stampede. Yeah, honestly, yeah. We, before we started recording, we were upstairs watching that rodeo. And uh, that looks pretty fun. That looks like a good time. Uh, I was amazed that there are clowns that hide inside the barrels. <laughs> yes. I had a great chuckle about that. I've, yeah. I've never watched a rodeo or anything like that. Yeah. You know, I'm a country country boy. I like my country <laughs> music, but yeah. I, I don't go to that extreme. Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, my only rodeo experience would be uh, riding the mechanical bull at the 2012 Master MasterCard Memorial Cup in Schwinnigan. And uh, they, I, I told them to crank it up to the full thing and... I was on there for a good 13 or 14 seconds. Yeah. I didn't want to jump off after eight. There was, you know, ladies watching me. You, know, you got to impress them, right? Exactly, right? Ride me like a... Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, but no. yeah, I think, you, I think you guys would enjoy the Stampede. I'm, I've been to... That's one thing I miss about the Alberta is the rodeos and, and stuff like that. I don't like the Stampede for the rides and the overpriced and, you know, the deep fried Oreos and the... Oh. Craft dinner, the, uh, the craft, the craft dinner, dinner soft serve ice cream. Yeah, it's just as bad as that sounds. Um, I would try it though. I guess JD from CJ ninety two said uh, that it's a as bad as it sounds. It's not bad when you're like as you eat it, but the craft dinner powder aftertaste mm. is what like I believe it's just vanilla ice cream with Costco size yeah uh, craft dinner powder. So that at no point uh, sounds delicious, but. I like the rodeo. I like. I enjoy the chuck wagons. I mean, growing up all around it my whole life, it's uh, it's the one thing that I miss from Alberta. I think the closest actual large rodeo is, I believe, out in Schwinnigan or Ramuski. Where did they host the outdoor game a few years ago? Schwinnigan. Schwinnigan. Yeah, yeah, that was a rodeo hall. So yeah. maybe I'll have to. Maybe we'll start there with you. We'll go to the Schwinnigan rodeo and. Jeez, oh, I don't <laughs> think I'm allowed back in town in Schwinnigan. You don't think so? Oh no. Jeez. Well, I'm sure I am, but. As long as a Brad, as long as the Broadway pub still exists, I'm happy. You're happy. You're in. Yeah, All right. Well, that's, that's my we'll, that's my. Place. We'll check to see if that's there. Uh, I mean, speaking of Schwinnigan and Memorial Cup, yeah, I didn't see a single minute. I took some heat for said hot take, and uh, I believe a hot take. I believe my hot take. I had nothing to do with it. No, he didn't. He, that was all me. I believe that hot take would have been fine had they not fired the coach, uh, had they not fired Gordy Dwyer, but uh, we can go along with that. You know, it's one of those things where it worked out for. The Spitfires losing in round one didn't really work out for the Saskatoon Blades. Um, it clearly worked out for Schwinnigan. I think it's ridiculous that everyone's talking about changing the format with the host, uh, especially if they go in the first round. I don't think that will ever happen because I don't know how you, like Jamie Tozer, he retweeted an article and then he talked about it. I don't know how you change it and have a host. You can't have, without a host team, people, the junior hockey market just isn't big enough to support three hockey teams. And go from there. No, it's true. Uh, it's it, it's true. You can't really change the change the schedule or or however it is. It's the tournament's designed. But I'm kind of on board with you know, you, not necessarily saying okay. Well, almost if the if the host team is eliminated in round one, they're handicapped a game. Or something, or they play back to back nights, something like that. You like know, Saint like, John was never playing back to back. I don't no, think. I don't think the host. Right? I I don't think the host ever plays back to back, and I don't think 
the team from the league that's hosting plays back to back. So Shawinigan didn't play back to back, and St. John didn't play back to back. So maybe that's something you make them play back to back nights. But um, I, I mean, I didn't watch any of the tournament. It was on at 12 p.m. Uh, over in Czech Republic. And oh, I watched the first two periods of Schwinnigan and St. John. I guess I shouldn't say I watched anything in the final round robin game. But, I mean, good on St. John for coming together in, in a month. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to Couture for giving yeah. me the most uh, that was a great traction reply. with the uh, reply. I really yeah. appreciated that. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm happy for Du. I'm happy for Blagden. I'm happy for Couture. I'm never going to cheer for St. John, Halifax, Charlottetown, I can cheer for Charlottetown. Oh yeah, Charlottetown, the Titan. Like I, you just, you just don't. Especially St. John and Halifax. That's how rivalries work. And in '04, when the Flames went to the final, I was living in Calgary. I was all for the Flames. Jumped on the bandwagon, full support. When the Oilers went in '06, really? Oh yeah, yeah. When the Oilers went in '06, <laughs> I was all about go Canes. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah. learned very right from that moment on. I will never cheer for a rival. Cam Ward was the best goalie in the world. Yeah, because I don't think St. John fans will be all over uh, Moncton winning the Memorial Cup. So I, for me, I, I just wasn't in and, and to each their own. And we had, we had Moncton fans cheering for St. John. Like the Wildcats. Uh, Veronique Alcino had like a tournament pass. She had her Dau jersey. I think she's more of a Dau fan than yeah. a St. John fan. And Ryan Dapre was cheering for for the Sea Dogs. Yeah. And he's like, like, how can you? How can you? Yeah. It's um, that that's like, that's like the Leafs cheering for the Habs in in, in the Cup final a couple yeah. years ago. That's not going to happen. No. Um, no. That's like you know, it's it's just one of those things you just. As a sports fan, you you can't do no. Uh, but hey, it is a free country. You're you're allowed to, uh, you know, express your uh, pleasure or displeasure <laughs> towards any sports organization. Uh, I just I couldn't physically cheer for for St. John in in the Memorial Cup. It's it's just you don't want to see it. Now they've got two, and we're you know we're still. You know, I, I guess you could say we have two Presidents Cups. Same as St. John, I think they have two, and but they've got the two Baby important struggles. ones, right? Yeah. So it, it's uh, you know it, there's always going to be that um, jealous jealousy, yeah, inside uh, inside the bodies of, of of Wildcats fans until we have that trophy, and we're the little brother. That's just the way it is. Bathurst has one. Yeah, we have. St. John is two. We got zero. We're the little Halifax brother in, in, one. in New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah. So we're so, like the we're the lone wolf here in this yeah. uh, in this party. It's like you know, it's we need one if we want to start. Uh, you know, if the Wildcats start want to start uh, chirping on social media and you know with comebacks and stuff to these teams, we need to win one. Yeah. You, you can't you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. Nope, and it won't be uh, probably won't be this year, and hopefully it'll be twenty twenty five. Hopefully, the way where Mooski's going. Yeah. We'll be if if we're gonna get to a Memorial Cup, we're gonna have to go through the league to get to that uh, Memorial Cup. The way Ramuski's going in twenty four twenty five, but yeah, I mean it was a, a wonderful tournament from everything I saw. I mean, special shout out to Station Nation. He kept me updated uh, in the other side of the world, which was kind of nice. I woke up at uh, you know nine o'clock there and was just catching all the stuff that he was putting out at the end of the end of the night. So special shout out to him for keeping everyone uh, entertained. Uh, you want to talk some draft? You want to talk to some? Some guests. Some... Talking draft, like beer draft or we Q can do draft? Beer. We can do a beer draft. Oh, yeah. So actually, let's do Q draft let's first. Let's do Q draft first. I think that's why we're here. Perfect. All right. Don't forget, as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Moncton Wildcast, Instagram, Wildcast Podcast, and now on TikTok as well. And hopefully, after my Father's Day gift, you might just be able to see us on uh, YouTube this week. View from the other bench. Well, it's uh, we've had him on the show a few times, and you know what? Not a better time than right now to track him down after what I can only imagine was a busy week and weekend uh, for him and not only him, but his agency. We welcome in the 14th overall selection in the 2005 draft by Moncton, as well as the 142nd selection in the NHL draft by the Philadelphia Flyers from Propulsion Agency, Nick Riappel. Nick, how are you tonight? Have you found some downtime after these couple crazy weeks? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for, uh, for having me on. Uh, yes, well... For sure, as you mentioned uh, on the introduction, a really busy week last week with the QMJHL draft and the NHL draft. 
during the same week. Uh, so it was a busy time, but uh, it was a good time, a fun time for myself, but uh, the players and their family for sure. So, I, you know, a lot of guys are mock draft going certain places, and we did our own mock draft a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I took uh, Dag first or second overall to Victoriaville. I just, we just didn't want him in Cape Breton and have to face that talent, you know, eight, nine times for the next four or five years. I guess just talk about this kid and how, uh, how excited uh, fans in Victoriaville uh, will be to have him in, in the net for a few years. Uh, for sure. He, uh, he's uh, one of a kind. Uh, I think he's, uh, uh, he's a really minded kid. Uh, I, I think Victoriaville was the perfect fit for him. Uh, obviously, being first overall in Cape Breton would have been uh, special just because he has an history with Marc-Andre Fleury. They're both from Sorel and him being a first overall pick in the queue and Marc-Andre being first overall pick in the NHL would have made it uh, special. But to be honest, uh, myself, uh, Gabriella's family, uh, I think we really enjoyed uh, being second in Victoriaville. Uh, they were really high from the get-go on him. Uh, we have a plan in place, um, and I think the, he, he have a, a really good uh, opportunity next season to work uh, with, a, uh, with a veteran guy who was uh, named the rookie uh, all-rookie uh, team uh, last season. He's going to be 19, so I think it's going to be a really good uh, learning process for him, uh, especially that he's a late birth, uh, which means that he won't be eligible uh, until after his uh, third year in the QMJHL for his uh, NHL draft, uh, which is a big advantage as a goalie. Uh, I think the main goal is to next year learn how to uh, play in the, uh, the QMJHL, 17 maybe take more minutes, and 18 be uh, the number one goalie. Uh, but for sure, he's an exciting kid uh, uh, that's going to have a tremendous uh, career, but I'm expecting a lot of, out of him in the QMJHL. Yeah, I guess let's talk a little more about some of the some of your uh, players that you had uh, selected in the draft. Uh, you, you'd be happy to know that when I did a Wildcats mock draft, I actually had Alexi Bernier going to Moncton with their first pick of the second round, but of course that was then traded. Um, but uh, let's talk about him, and and of course I know you have Brett Usick as well, and uh, you know our own uh, one of our own in our own backyard, uh, Nika Jean. Yeah, exactly. Well, I know uh, to start with uh, Alexi Bernier. Uh, I know the Wildcats were really high on him. Uh, we knew that he wasn't going to uh, be uh, there until like the 25th overall pick. Um, and obviously uh, him going 23rd uh, just indicate that he was a really uh, high-end defenseman in the draft. Um, good two-way all-around defenseman. Very smart. Uh, one of the youngest players I've, I've noticed that communicates really, really well. You can hear him uh, all over the ice. Um, I, I, uh, to me, I call him my soldier. He's really, really uh, straightforward, focused on his uh, development on a hockey, really serious off the ice with his uh, strange conditioning, uh, with his school. Everything he, uh, he does, he does it 100% uh, well. Um, his, his parents own the farm. And he's more of a, the old mentality where you wake up at five or six in the morning and you uh, you work in the farm and you go work out and you go on the ice and then you come back home. Well, you go back in the farm until you know uh, late uh, late night. So uh, no, his work ethic is uh, uh, second to none. So I uh, know he's gonna have, uh, and I think he can really make the jump in the QMJHL next year just by the way he plays and he can play. You know what? Uh, uh, against the uh, opposition's best line. He can play a PK role. He can play a second power play uh, role as well. And he uh, he's really good at adapting at the speed of the game and uh, new challenges. So, uh, no one. He was one of the players that scouts came to me and said that they saw the biggest progression from day one till uh, the last game of the playoffs. So, really exciting uh, for Alexis coming forward. Um, and then uh, Brett Yuzik, uh, big big guy, big profile, winning the, the fifth round. But I won't lie to you guys, I got uh, maybe uh, on the Tuesday morning before the, the draft started around uh, uh, 9 or 10, while I had 
five teams calling me. They wanted to uh, pick him in the early in the second round. Uh, but Brett has some options and some offers already for the NCAA. So I think he's still 50-50 and he wanted to be really transparent with all the teams uh, and tell those, the team that he's still 50-50 and won't make a decision by uh, the start of the, the training camp. So he wants to take his time. Uh, big guy, 6'3", right-handed, skates uh, really well for, for a big guy. Uh, he has an NHL wrist shot. Like the kid has an NHL wrist shot. He can score goals. Uh, he's more of a north-south type of player that's going to finish his check, going to uh, out-muscle or out-battles uh, players in the corners or net front. Uh, really good at screening the goalies. Uh, so, no, he's uh, he's good. He has the full package. Like he has so many tools um, as a 16 years old that uh, I'm sure uh, he could potentially make Shawinigan from uh, uh, from early as uh, as this season. But we'll reevaluate. And lastly, uh, Nika Jean, um, f- son of French Jean, a former goalie coach uh, with uh, the Moncton Wildcats. Obviously, one of my really good friends, uh, my coach uh, when I played in Wildcats and. He was kind of uh, my Francois Allaire uh, during my, my Q career, and I, um, I'm still thankful he was there. But Nick Ajan is a player with a high-end hockey IQ. He's a playmaker. I uh, got some skills, uh, good skater, um, and he's just smart hockey player. He knows where to, uh, uh, where to be on the ice. Uh, really good support, outstanding settlement, and he learns really quick. And obviously, him being in Tampa Bay uh, for most of his of his life, obviously, uh, got to learn with the best, you know, uh, with uh, Kucherov, with Breton Point, and being some on the ice with the skills coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the strength coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So he's just a really smart kid who has some offensive upside, good defensively as well, reliable in all three zones. So, uh, and obviously, uh, I think it might take a little bit longer for him to reach his full potential, but man, he's going to play uh, some uh, some professional hockey uh, down his, uh, his career 100% with that shirt. Also, I just want to point out that I also had him on my Wildcats mock draft. So, you know, if Bernier would yeah. have been available, that would have been two out of the, uh, you know, 14 or whatever picks Moncton had. That's why you're the expert. <laughs> That's why I am an expert. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess as an as an agent, uh, like you said earlier, you get you get calls from teams. Um, do you have any indication where these players are being selected? And if so, do you need to have like a really strong poker face when, when you're around them? I think we, uh, as an agent, you need to be smart about having a poker face, especially let's say like a case with uh, with Brett, where and even Nika, where there's some NCAA options, and you don't want to be the kind of agent that lies to half of the teams in the QMGL and try to pick your team because after that it's it's hard to gain the faith and the trust from the other teams and obviously at, at some point you're going to have to deal with them uh, down the line. Um, so I just think that, you know, let's say for Gabrielle Degg going second overall, uh, because the draft was, you know, uh, long distance and it wasn't in a normal draft, well, we kind of knew a little bit a few days before he was going to Victoriaville because uh, Victoriaville wanted to make an happening with, with him, his family. So on the... The, the afternoon of the, the draft on Monday, well, we all, we all came down, me, my partner, Etienne, uh, uh, Gabrielle, his close family, we all went down to Victoriaville. We had the dinner there and we were arrived maybe 30 to 45 minutes before the, uh, the draft was announced. And we were, you know, we had the visit shown by the GM, Kevin Coutier there. Uh, and I think that the kids and the parents where they were able to see the facilities and it was actually really impressive. And a uh, few of the players from Victoriaville were there as well. Uh, we spent the whole first round with the scouts, uh, the GM, the coaches. So they really treat us uh, really well. So obviously it was really special. Um, but 
no, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I try and I want to be as respectful and as transparent as, as I can with the teams. And that's because I, I want to keep a really good relationship with, with all of them. Uh, no, I don't really care if it's a big organization, smaller organization, big market, smaller market. I think if you play, if you have the chance to play in the QMJHL, no matter where you uh, you want to play, uh, it's going to be your four best year of your life, uh, probably. So, um, yeah. Make sure they will report to. Um, obviously, the NHL draft was like a three days later after the Q draft, which couldn't have been easier on a, on a player agent. But um, every kid wants to hear their name called. Um, you had a couple that uh, didn't hear their name called, but they are invited to to development camps. Uh, Jonathan Lemieux, uh, he's off to Philly. Uh, Michael Horth is off to uh, St. Louis. And then finally, a Wildcats player that I liked is going to the Oilers instead of the Flames and or the Leafs. And Charles Antoine Lavallee going to uh, going to Edmonton. Just talk about that process. Is it more of a, you lay down with the player, here's three or four teams that are interested, where do you want to go? Or is it, how does that kind of shake down? Well, I think there's two different uh, situations there where, Jonathan Lemieux was an overage and had no opportunity to get drafted. Uh, so that's the first thing. So, yes, I was talking with teams from day one and I started to represent Jonathan a few weeks before uh, the season started uh, last year when he was heading to uh, St. John and I followed him and I think he had a tremendous uh, QMJHL career uh, and I know it didn't go the way uh, he wanted both let's say in St. John, I think it went, it went way better in Moncton and he, he found himself, he found his game, uh, a little bit less pressure and he was able to learn a lot uh, from Dan Lacroix and all the coaching staff there. He really did a tremendous job and obviously the kid was, you know, uh, ecstatic about how well he was treated in Moncton. To me, it wasn't a surprise, but I was really happy to, to see that and uh, so I started my research maybe by the end of the season just to make sure if there's any teams that were looking for uh, number five, number six goalies in their organization uh, uh, the following year. And uh, uh, the Flyers came uh, came down uh, quickly. Uh, they were really high on him. They had great reports uh, for him when he was 18, 19 years old. And they really wanted to see him at camp. Uh, to know if there could be an AHL contract uh, available for him after camp. So uh, I knew this. Uh, I told Jonathan the following day of the elimination uh, in the playoff. So yes, he was disappointed for 24 hours, but I can tell you that I, I felt his smile and I felt his, his, his uh, excitement about him having the opportunity to attend his first NHL camp, which he was waiting for that moment, you know, since he's 17. So it was it was special. Uh, and then the second one is was uh, Charles Juan Lavallee. He was 19, still is still eligible uh, for the, the NHL draft. Uh, but I knew it was you know, most likely not going to happen, just because at the 19 years old, you really need to be. Uh, you know, uh, dominant or maybe have a big, big, big effect. So, and I, I think he did a really good job this season. Um, and then same thing, I was, you know, communicating with a few teams uh, by the end of the season and Edmonton uh, gave me a call. Uh, they called uh, the GM, Martin Mondou, had a great report on him and they wanted to uh, uh, have a chance to invite him to the camp. So, uh, Charles was made the, the the deal was if he's not drafted we committed to uh, Edmonton and Ken Holland there in Edmonton really likes uh, he likes big goalies so uh, Charles being a six two six three uh, goalie uh, uh, likes uh, the uh, like like the process yeah. um, and then lastly uh, and still Charles was was you know attending his first NHL camp now in Edmonton and lastly was Michael Orth. Well, Michael was eligible. Was his first year of uh, eligibility. He met with, uh, I would say, uh, four to six teams um, in person during the season. And because the draft was in Montreal, like 30 minutes away from his uh, hometown, I just felt like, hey, come here, enjoy the show, and 
You never know. If there is one team that decides on the sixth or seventh round to draft you, you know, like if you're not here, like you're gonna regret it for a long, long time yeah. because nobody can take it away. So he was there. Obviously, we sat down until the end of the draft. They didn't get picked, and uh, I know he was disappointed. And on the way home, on the car, me and Etienne, uh, we stayed. We made some phone call. We texted a few scouts, and I received a call from uh, Michel Picard, a Quebec scout for the St. Louis Blues, and he called me and said, hey, Nick, we want to invite uh, Michael Lahorde both for development camp and rookie camp in Traverse City. Uh, it's September, so when I called... Um, Uh, Michael, he was uh, on speakerphone with his family, uh, uh, mother, father, and his uh, his brother. So when I, uh, I announced him that he was going to make it to the uh, his first NHL development camp, and, uh, well, he just forgot about uh, his <laughs> last hour in at the draft. So he was really happy, excited, and I think it's a really good story. Like he was a ninth round pick in the QMJHL, made the team on the last cut, pretty much the last player. Uh, to make the team uh, in in Charlottetown had big responsibility. Jim Alton was really high on him, and now he gets a chance ten months later after making the queue when nobody expected it to uh, him to to make it to attend his first NHL draft. It's uh, his first NHL camp. It's uh, it's something that uh, he deserves a lot of credit for this. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I guess just uh, I know we're running a little uh, on the time there, but one last question. I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna be starting my uh, my mock draft uh, early ne- earlier for next season. But uh, any any Q drafts uh, prospects for the next draft that you've already uh, consulted or that you're working with? There's a few players that we've reached out uh, so far. There's none that I can say that we truly like represent uh, right now. So I uh, I don't want to jinx myself. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna just uh, uh, take it more. Uh, take it a step back and be more protective but uh no so far uh we're gonna focus on the one who just got drafted for sure as richie always says they're working on some files so you're working on some files yeah we'll touch we'll touch base with you closer to the draft maybe uh next year but hey man i know it's been a busy couple weeks for you so we really appreciate you uh giving us some time on uh on our episode there so um continued success to all to yourself and and all the players that you represent nick and uh, hopefully we can do this again Yeah, well, thank you guys. Uh, anytime. Awesome. Can't even imagine the the amount of late nights and early mornings he's got because he's working in, you know, like Alex DeBoe is now a Nottingham Panther in London. Mm-hmm. So you're four hours ahead doing that interview at whatever time. He's got guys all over the Europe playing in the Q draft, the NHL draft. Like he's living the dream, but holy. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a work schedule. I mean, those probably, uh, you know, 10, 12 hour days and. I'm sure the I'm sure the paychecks are nice. I, we never ask him what uh, what he's getting. Uh, no, no, because he'll always hauling every yeah. every two weeks. But I'm sure it's pretty good. <laughs> so about the uh, agent fee, I mean, how about we interview you? you? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well, we did, but yeah, that would be perfect. You you can't ask me that. Uh, uh, we're answering. How much the money do you make before taxes? <laughs> yeah. I won't. That's inappropriate. I won't. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. I think that is this, this, this Pam Pan thing. <laughs> yeah. so. this Pam. Pan. Two M's? Two M's. <laughs> Pan Pan. Who's this man behind you? <laughs> yeah. Hello, Hello Miss Lady. lady. <laughs> All right, let's get into the Weekly Rewind. Weekly Rewind. All right, well, I mean, quite the uh, quite the week for the Wildcats. Uh, they made a splash in the first round. Uh, again. The Monday-Tuesday draft was the worst, but then Thursday-Friday for the NHL draft, I I literally thought it was Friday-Saturday, and that's why the queue couldn't go on the weekend. It was Thursday-Friday. I was like, what? Why didn't he go after the NHL draft on a Friday-Saturday? It doesn't matter. I just hope that the intel that uh, we got from a certain friend of ours is not correct, that there will be no in-person drafts anymore. That's correct. Because uh, that's uh, horse bleep, and Mr. Coteau... Give me a call. Reach out. Maxime, reach out. I have the perfect solution for all this. It's called the GoFundMe page. <laughs> Brought to you by the Wildcast Podcast. Step one. You tell us how much money we need to raise to have an in-person draft. Yep. We'll start the thing. We'll see how much what we can get going on here. We'll even 
find a venue to host the damn thing. Yeah. Uh, that's and, not the Avenir Center. Yes. That's step one. Get well, it out of the uh, arena. If we have to have it at the Irish Town Community Center, I have some hookups <laughs> uh, that we can probably make it a nice spot. Afternoon, evening of fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate that idea. But, I mean, really, you don't need arenas anymore. Just The NFL draft had it right the first time. Top 40 prospects are for your first two rounds, a table of representatives, the team stay home, they call the player, whatever. But yeah, it's uh, hopefully it comes back. Hopefully the intel that we were told is wrong and we do get back to in-person draft. But the NHL draft in Montreal, let's get to that first. Um, Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New, New York. York. Maxine Barbashev selected in the fifth round, not by the St. Louis Blues, but by the New York Rangers. He, I mean, ended up being the only Wildcat selected. I'm not sure if it was much of a surprise. Maybe thought there might be one in the seventh. But first of all, huge congratulations to Max mm-hmm. on being selected uh, by the New York Rangers. I kind of thought as it was going when every time St. Louis is coming up, I was like, oh, that could be a spot. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be like Minnesota or Chicago, like one of those rival teams that, it, you know, if he makes the NHL, he's playing against his brother mm-hmm. in division kind of thing. But, uh, no, huge congratulations for Max. Um, again, the, one of the only Wildcats selected. I'm not uh, – were you surprised by that? or A little. Uh, I thought we had a chance at two. Um, outside, very outside chance at three. And, um, but no, that's, you know, Barbashev came to Moncton because he wanted to be, he wants to be an NHL player and, uh, step one, you know, step one is done, uh, yep. getting, getting drafted. So, uh, congratulations to him. Step one, make the top prospect. Step two, get drafted. He's already basically those. Yeah. Yep. But, um, yeah, uh, surprising that, uh, there wasn't a second one picked. And even more surprised that we haven't heard of any of those undrafted ones getting NHL. Uh, that's kind of the biggest surprise can't. is there's no, and I've been looking every team that's come up and, yeah. you know, sometimes the Wildcats are on the, on the ball and they're, they're tweeting it out quickly. Sometimes it takes them a couple of days. It, it is what it is, but I haven't seen any names other than Kalmakoff going to Pittsburgh. Yep. And Barbershop going to New York. Yeah. Which, which is, is uh, very surprising to me. I, I'd say, Lemieux going to Philly, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. This is uh, I, I'm I'm shocked. I thought maybe one of these players would get a get an invite, but I guess not. But hey, that's your motivation to you know work that much harder next year and uh, hopefully get picked as a as a second year eligible. And because uh, you know, it can happen in the Q draft, it can happen in the NHL draft. Yeah. Connor Garland is a prime example, right? Didn't get picked in his first NHL draft, got picked in his second. And, you know, he's making, you know, $6 million a year now with Vancouver. So yeah. um, you don't give up on your dreams and, uh, you know, just uh, keep pushing yourself harder. You're going to get noticed. Yeah, and I'm sure last year's um, record at the end of, you know, in, this, in the second half of the year probably didn't help. And it was it was a tough year for all of them. But like, like you said, I mean, this should be a better year and, you know, you're two two drafts. You're eligible, and who knows? Free agent camp comes calling. Um, you got a chance. But the uh, the Wildcats draft happened uh, last Monday. I guess a week from when we recorded this. Um, once again, the Wildcats did their best to give us something to talk about late well, at night. Let's hear something to talk about. Yeah, when we, we're loving the Step Brothers movies. I can't. I just, I, the lighting's not here and the acoustics, and I didn't know what was going on. And I just, you have to know, Brennan, this is not your brother talking. You're the voice of an angel. It's like Fergie meets Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, gave us something to talk about, um, making a splash in the first round. And, and what was funny is Shawinigan traded up with the, uh, with Gatineau for 14. Yeah, 14 with Nadeau. And, uh, and I said to you, I, I Honest God's truth. I looked at Jeremy and I said, if there was a spot for them to move into, 14 was it for, and I can't remember who the player was, the guy from uh, the Blizzard. Oh, yeah, Veyu. Veyu. Yeah. I said, is this the spot where Veyu, they they have the connection with SF? Well, they were able to make the, 
the pick happen. Um, they made the trade, so they got the Schwinnigan's 14th overall in the first round. Uh, they gave up a second round in the draft and a third round in the draft. And Eli Byerjan, who, you know, like, we'll go back to what we said on the, on the live. For me, that sucked. We really liked Byerjan. Um, we thought he was a steal last year, being a fifth round. Could have been a first, second round pick. Uh, but if you break the trade down, he's he hasn't played in the queue, so his game really hasn't translated. Mm-hmm. So realistically, it's a second, third, and a fifth. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest and the best part of some of the prices that were paid earlier in the draft Bingo. was we didn't give up a first next year mm-hmm. or a second next year. It mm-hmm. was all in this draft. Um, so that was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, and then they went ahead and, and took defenseman um, Adam, Adam Forche, Gendron. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, surprised by the defense a little bit or? You know what? No, um, I wasn't. Um, I Once we got to that pick, um, many of the forwards kind of, it, it would have been a fall. The forwards were starting, were starting to fall down a little bit, the skill level. Yeah. Uh, was starting to drop amongst the forwards, um, and you build championships through the back end. And you know, right now, you know what looks good is you know we've got Morin, we've got Grenier, we're gonna have Ayasenza, and now we're gonna have Forte Gendre, uh back there for you know the next two, three, four years, um, which uh, which looks really well. Um, it. it, it I, I was a big fan of the pick. It honestly, mm-hmm. it was one of those things where uh, I think I, I, I saw a Richie interview where they had Forte Jean-Draw on their final list, ranked 10th um, on their final uh, list from their scouts. So to be able to get their 10th ranked prospect at 14 is, is really good. Uh, it's a strong, a strong pickup, and it kind of solidifies the the defense for for many years to come. And at that time, I think he was the second top on CSR defenseman. Yeah, like there was, was Veyu, and then there was mm-hmm. uh, John Ron, so or Forte John Ron. Um, so to get the sixth ranked CSR player at fourteen, um, you know, Richie said many times in interviews and on here, he likes to build from the back end out, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what he did. Before we get into the rest of the draft, I mean, the Wildcats did make a trade leading up to the draft, um, giving up a third rounder in the 2022 draft and a third rounder in 2023 for Charles Baudouin, a player that you liked uh, when you watched the Memorial Cup. Um, Again, we said this before, whatever 20-year-old was going to be acquired, the price was going to be talked about because the pressure of the 20-year-old coming off what Kalmakoff did, this um, this is not a player that's going to replace Kalmakoff's Scoring, it'd be nice if he replaces half of it. But this isn't a player that's going to put the puck in the net. This is um, this is part of the process, which I'll get into when we get going into the drafts and the free agents. The Wildcats wanted size, and they wanted toughness. Um, you look at their draft. They got, I think, three or four players that are six foot. Um, Gabe Smith, six foot. Legare, six foot. Samson, six one. Um, Cormier six foot. They're drafted free agents six foot, six foot, six one. Now size is great. You have to play with size, but it, it looked like there was a very concerted effort by Richie and his staff this year to get bigger, to fill out the lineup and get bigger, and not necessarily like we we weren't necessarily pushed around, mm-hmm. but to go into those corners, make the tough battle, get bigger, and I think that's exactly what they did, starting with Charles Baudouin. <laughs> you look at your your draft board. You look at your free agents, and that's the the one thing that uh, that catches your eye. I think, with the exception of of uh, Nika Jean, who I think is maybe maybe five six, um, it's a pretty big draft class. Uh, and there's uh, there's still some of these players that have room to grow. Like mm-hmm. you said, Gabe Smith is six. He's got to be taller than six foot. Six three one seventy eight. Yeah, so he's that's he, a power forward. That's a power forward, and you got to think like he's. His body type, he, he he can still grow. He could probably yeah. easily get into the two hundred range if he if he hits the gym if he hits the gym really hard. So you're coming in as a junior player at six, you know, six three two hundred. That's that's your power forward, right? That's your that's your Sean Couturier Couturier type uh, type player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to get a and to go on to, to to add on to Gabe Smith, like on the Wildcats final scouting uh, their final scout list, they had him at thirteen. Um, so you go out and be able to go ahead at twenty five. It's it's just an it's just another win. And 
um, yeah, there's there's articles out there that are saying he's not 100% committed to Moncton, and yes, so he pe- is. So people are starting to to be concerned that it's just another Jake Rossi situation, and um, I don't I don't think it's I don't think so. Um, you know, this is this is a kid here that's from he's from St. Andrews, New Brunswick. He's he's got an opportunity to play major junior only you know two and a half hours from home. Um, you know, it, it's he wasn't picked in the USHL draft, uh, so you know that's not an option for him. He's too good to play U18. He's too good to go back to Rossi Netherwood. Uh, in my opinion, what else is he going to do? And he played uh, with a couple guys that played here last year in Mueller and, and Dahl. Yeah. Right? So I, I think he's, um, you know, there's you're probably gonna, there's probably gonna, there's going to be an article in Luckety Nouvelle here the next day or two that's that's going to say that quotes from Richie that he's not, uh, that Gabe Smith is 100% committed. Um, but there's also an article that he did with um, I'm not sure if it was a reporter with with Rossi and Otherwood, but Rossi and Otherwood posted it on Twitter, uh, and basically Gabe Smith was saying that he's excited to to play in Moncton. He can't wait to get his major junior career started, stuff like that. So uh, I, I I like the chances that we see him in a in a, in a Wildcats jersey next season. Yes, we're just gonna put that in the universe that he's gonna be here. Um... I mean, looking at the rest of the draft, um, obviously, Nick Jean, who we just talked to uh, Nick Riopelle about, um, Justin Dume, the brother of Jordan Dume, mm-hmm. um, Cooper Cormier, the local kid. Uh, just, brother of Cole Cormier. A yep. um, couple guys uh, that you're excited about uh, in, in this class. I mean, I was talking to somebody after the first round, and I said, I, Gabe Smith's still on the board. Mm-hmm. That's the guy I wanted at 25. It ended up happening. I told you that before you left. You had a, a name there as well but uh just a couple of names that you're as a as the moncton um your mock draft you you hit on a couple but uh yeah guys the, you're excited about i had the nika jean pick right um and that was that that was the only one um for me a couple guys um, no i had um i had kind of gabe smith on a on another one oh, okay. that i had written down i had his i had his i had him on my list but i kind of scratched him out yeah um Obviously, um, who was I just talking about? I just said his name. Nika Jean. Nika Jean, yeah. Uh, he's the one I'm excited about. Um, you know, like like Rio said, he's probably a couple of years away. Um, so, he, you know, if he's he's got, uh, I think he signed with, um, he signed with Shattuck St. Mary's for, to play next year. So, obviously, well-known well school, yeah. Crosby, McKinnon connection, uh, I'm not comparing the players, you know. Let's put that uh, let's put that to rest. Um, but he's in a great opportunity there. He got drafted by Chicago Steel, the USHL, so he's got USHL options on the table. Uh, I just hope down the road, uh, maybe not, you know, probably not looking at uh, 2023, 2024 with him, but maybe you know, 2024, 2025, he can step in as like a, as an 18 year old and and um, and and play then. Uh, Sydney Delorier, uh, I think it was the third third round pick. Um, played midget Espoir. He's a goal scorer. Um, he's gonna have a huge opportunity next year to play in the in the U eighteen league in Quebec on on Saint on Saint Eustache. Uh, he's probably gonna be a top player for them. So he's gonna go from the Espoir program to uh, you know the actual U eighteen league and probably absolutely tear it up. Uh, and, um, Cooper Cormier, I think is probably got a, you know, not necessarily an outside chance this year, but I think he's, uh, I think he's a really good, uh, possible you know, bottom six guy for, uh, for not this upcoming season, but the following year. Mm-hmm. And I got obviously shout out to our American pick as well. Um, Gavin Cornforth. <laughs> I think I love that. I, yeah. I love that name already. Yeah. Um, fully bilingual. Yeah. So his parents are from Canada. Uh, I think he said. Uh, so he's fully bilingual, knows English and French. Um, he's currently at the uh, USA Hockey uh, Select 16 camp, and uh, actually uh, got a hat trick on Sunday. Um, so good, uh, good on him. A lot of the puck, big guys. Puck preps that yeah. we had on. They're kind of following that U16. They do yeah. scouting everywhere. So um, follow them to get some of his. Uh, his stats. I know I saw that he had a hat trick and retweeted mm-hmm. that. So that's never a bad thing. Never a bad thing. No, uh, there's actually a video 
of uh, one of his goals on on Twitter. So I'll possibly send that to you, Adam, and we can we can yes. upload it. Done. Um, and uh, another one that I like is one of those late round guys that we always talk about the late round guys and how we have great luck with late round picks. Uh, Quincy, is it Quincy Suprian or is it Nicholas Suprian? Quincy Nicholas Suprian. Quincy Nicholas Suprian. I'm going to call him Suprian. Suppy. Get to know uh, intrepid. Suppy? Suppy? Let's Suppy? call him Suppy. Um, <laughs> soups. S- soups, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so Soups is um, every everything I've heard, everything I've read, um, one of those guys, he's he's... He's an 05, so he's, he wouldn't play as a 16-year-old next year's next year. He plays a 17. Um, keep an eye on this guy when he comes to training camp. You um, you might see uh, a bolt of lightning every time he, he skates. <laughs> uh, he skates by. He's apparently quite quite fast on his skates, and um, to the point where possibly one of the top 10 fastest skaters in the entire draft. Really? Yeah. So keep an eye on him. Um, and one thing I'm going to mention as well, I think it's slim to none. So you're telling me there's a chance. Um, <laughs> We're on the movie quotes. You can tell it's summertime. If by the chance that Cole, I don't know if it's Izerman or Iserman. Is the American? Uh, the American. I'm going to say Izerman. If there's the slightest chance that we have a chance to get him in Moncton, He's a special player, uh, probably right now of the 2006 born hockey players on the entire planet, top ten. Really, top ten in the entire world right now. So that's the U. That's the first player seventh yeah. overall in the U.S. draft. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they took Caden Shattuck, Hamilton Saint in the Mary's, um, So that's a home run swing if you hit. Oh man, if you, you got to look at this guy's stat sheet. Let me just pull it up here. I'll keep talking. All right. Um, but yeah, if there's any chance that he signs or has any interest in major junior hockey, yeah. um, I know he's not going to come next year. But if he did, if he signed with Moncton as a 16 year old, I would bet a hundred dollars that he breaks Connor Garland's scoring record. Really, hundred um, percent. He is that good. He made the U.S. Un- uh, national under seventeen team, so he's at he's at their development, basically their development program. If I'm Robert Irving, if I'm Mister Irving, I'm going up to this kid with a blank freaking check <laughs> and saying, "What does it take? What will Not it if take break to Connor get Garland's you here?" Um, as a fourteen year old at Shattuck St. Mary's, one hundred and fifty four points in fifty games. What was Crosby's stats back then? 86 points in 53 games at prep level. So as a 15-year-old, he was playing against 18-year-old players and got 86 points in 53 games. Good Lord. Yeah. That seems like it's really good. He's an absolute stud of a player. Um, Everywhere he's played, he's put up points. When he played at the Brick Tournament, seven points in six games. When he played... Crosby... In 2002, so what would he have been there? 16? Yeah. 17? He would have been 15 because he played for Dartmouth Sudways at 14 and then Shaddix at 15. 15. He had 72 goals, 90 assists, and 162 points. This yeah. kid had what? So he had not, this guy had 97 goals in 50 games oh. and 154 points. So he outscored Crosby. Yeah. Out, but Crosby goals, had more outsc- points. Outscored Crosby. Crosby had more assists. Wow. So he's an absolute stud of a player. Um, I, I I tell you, man, if there's any way that he comes to Moncton, it, I doubt it's next season. Um, but if there's any way he comes to Moncton as a 17 year old, he's still going to light the league up. McKinnon had 101 points, so yeah, he's that's, um, wow, that's he's impressive. he's a top, he's a top 10 player in the world amongst his age group. Right now, if you go on Elite Prospects for the 2024 NHL draft. There's only seven players in the entire world who are considered top prospects. He's right. one of them. Jesus. So one of seven, right? So um, I, I, I got to tell you, like if he, and if there's any chance he becomes Moncton, um, he he just he's going to absolutely tear. He's going to tear a strip off the league. <laughs> um, if there, there's, I, I know there's not a connection, but there's this thing called um, the World Selects Invitational. And there's an under twelve division. Yeah, he played for Canada East, 
Where's he from? He's from the Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So he played He's from for, Massachusetts. He played for Canada, Canada East. East. Yeah. Huh. Um, at a under twelve event and had twelve, uh, just a ridiculous like seven goals in two games or something like that. Right. Um. Yeah. So he's got connections to to, to the East. Uh, a lot of the a lot of his teammates on that particular team um, are, you know, Q Q players, Q prospects. So. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm probably talking about a player that we'll never see in a Wildcats jersey unless they tweet a picture of him getting his jersey <laughs> in the mail. Um, but um, but if we do, if we do, uh, get yeah. ready. Uh, you, you know, as Pierre Pierre Maguire used to say, "Get excited, Moncton." Uh, he's 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 going to put some butts in the seats. He's going to put some points on the board. So yeah, I was. You you got this figured out. I was going to go from this draft to the USA draft and. Um, but going back to the an article um, with Hatchard, uh, Richie, I believe it was Sean, time transcript, one 16-year-old will be on this team mm-hmm. coming out of this draft. Mm-hmm. Now there's going to be two. Huh? There's going to be two. Yeah. You believe there's going to be two? I believe there's going to be two. Smith, I'm, 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 Smith and Forte oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, okay. I'm banking on it. Yeah. Um, I just I thought it was interesting. There's going to be one, and then, you know, like Richie's always done, he stays true to his draft board, and he just waits and waits. He moves one of the second-round picks. He's able to get a guy like Gabe Smith without having to move around. Um, I, I kind of gig or not giggled. I kind of laughed at that. I was like, I think we're going to have two, at least two. Um, because we generally have that late round player that surprises, but yeah, I, I'm, you're with me. There's going to be two. There should be two. I, I like two. It's, okay. it's for me, it's, um, you make room for Gabe, for Gabe Smith. Yeah. Uh, cause there's not very many Gabe Smith players around. Uh, you're not going to get a two way power forward, uh, that can score. Um, it's, you know, in his, in his draft preview video, he compared himself to Quinton Byfield, you know, not, you know, Quinton Byfield, you know, the name, yeah. but New Brunswickers here would be more familiar with Sean Couturier. And for me, I think it's Sean Couturier, uh, across the board with this kid, um, who was of course taken second overall in the Q draft in his year. Uh, just behind uh, Brandon Gormley. So mm-hmm. if we can get a Sean Couturier-type player in our lineup, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's room for him in the top six, even so the top nine. Uh, but um, I think we can definitely make some room for him in, in, on the fourth line. And then kind of that, that uh, all the way up to the second line the following year. OJ-type. Starts on the fourth line and then yeah, gets just, going and he's, he's, continues to rise because he's this. If there's trades, if there's injuries, yeah. he's he's one of the first ones. If you there's move just up scoring, the right? Like, yep. put there's, the puck in the net. So. One of the first ones you move up in the lineup would be would be Gabe Smith. I feel like Generon's going to have the same Moran style. Start in the bottom, ease him in, get his minutes, and then move him into that top four. And that's a that's a pretty good top four. That's a guy that's probably going to play 20, 25 minutes yeah. when he's nineteen. Yeah. So uh, got good pick, solid. Won't make many mistakes. Five of the six defensemen are, and we'll get into our lineups probably next week. Um, but at least five of the six defensemen are minute loggers that uh, that we have no no issues putting on the ice. Um, I don't know if you know much about the six free agents now, seven that have been invited to training camp. Um, like I said, coming into the draft, one of the things that caught my eye size size. size. Um, what do we got here? Stobo, the forward, six one. Uh, 194 pounds, Cole Harbor. Uh, Gagne, 17, 6'4", 185. Uh, Ballantyne, who's the goaltender? Stedman. Uh, Steinman. Steinman. No, 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 no. No, that's Batman. <laughs> yeah. No, it's Ballantyne. Steinman, Steinman. We got, and then, no, 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 Ballantyne. Oh, no, it doesn't really work. Anyways, 6'3", 185. 6'2", 191 for Solomon Nadeau. 6'2", 194. And then, yeah, Steinman. What is he? Six foot one eighty one. So yeah. every free agent that they're bringing in on the first article, six foot. Uh, and then they invited defenseman Cole Goss, uh, who I thought you talked about going into the Atlantics as one of the top Newfoundland players for the Growlers. When that kid, when that tweet came through, I was like, I'm pretty sure you talked about that kid uh, as one of the. Well, Newfoundland I, I just kids said earlier, watch. I'm an expert, so. Uh, <laughs> so absolutely, you did. We're right? gonna say I did. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he was. Uh, Newfoundland, uh, 18 MHL champion, top defenseman, Atlantic's top defenseman. So, again, we're going to get into it next week as we get, well, by that time, it'll be a month uh, out from training camp. But, I mean, that's another defenseman that's going to push for that sixth spot. Like, there's not a lot of room, again, 
based on the draft that they're building. It just and you want that for sure, yes. But it it makes for a very exciting camp, and for the guys that are here, I mean, you got to find a spot for Lounsbury. Um, oh, there's a spot for Lounsbury. Yeah, you got to find a spot for a lot of these guys coming back next year. It's going to be a very competitive camp. It will be. Um, the goaltender Steinman, um, but had really strong, excuse me, really strong numbers in Junior A mm-hmm. in Ontario as a. I think it was 17 because he can be 18. Um, so as you probably know, our goaltending depth isn't exactly the greatest. Um, and I, I mean, last year, I think I predicted that, what was his name? Dawson Rowe from Ontario would be the backup. Yeah, he didn't even last a game. And Couture came in and stole the show. Yeah, he didn't even last a um, game. Yep. But these defensemen are certainly intriguing. Uh, if there's one I want to basically pencil in my lineup right now it's Solomon because um, if you look at Ballantyne and Nadeau those are two right shot defensemen I think Solomon is one of those guys that uh, will fit into at least a top six or a top into the seventh role um, given his size and his and his left hand shot but at the same time when you can get a defenseman the size of Ballantyne, that's a right shot. <laughs> yeah. You gotta take advantage of that. Yeah. So there's um there's definitely some some benefits to bringing in these guys. And um I think the fact that they were able to identify players like this you know, who weren't picked in the OHL draft or they were picked in the OHL draft and just released is you know, we're talking last season, not this one that just passed, but the year before mm-hmm. that. There was no hockey in Ontario. Yeah. Right. So these kids had nowhere to play. So they're, they're just this going into this year, they're just trying to find a place to play. And some of them are just, you know, they're, these are all Northern Ontario junior A hockey. And that's, that's where Phil, that's where Phil Daou came from. You know, these, these, you know, these are. Seem to work out. They seem to, these are players where you're literally, you're, you're in the rinks every night and you've got um, like Solomon, for example, he was. He won a gold medal for Team Ontario at the um, National Aboriginal Hockey Championships. It was actually managed by one of the Wildcats' Ontario scouts, D- Dustin Pelche. So hmm. you know there's a there's a connection when you when you look at these players and um, obviously Dustin when he managed his team, it, it obviously saw something in this in this Solomon kid that he said, yeah, he's obviously got a legitimate chance to to play. Uh, at a higher level than than junior A, so um, the fact that these scouts are in these ranks and and doesn't matter where they are, it's Northern Ontario or or Kitchener Cambridge or, or Toronto, wherever it may be, they're just they're eyeballing talent and they're bringing us players that that can play. Right? Yeah. It's like there was days, there was years five years ago when you weren't around here, Adam. We'd bring fifteen to twenty free agents to camp every year. And we're like, oh, yeah, look at the size of this kid. But it's a friggin' dud. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Like, we had a player, no, I mean, Daniel Kuzman. I don't know if you remember the name. Or Yeah, I remember Kuzman. Six foot four, 200 pounds, and it was a, you know, it was like watching, you know, <laughs> molasses coming out of a can or, you know, a yeah, ketchup yeah. kind of coming out of a Heinz bottle. Yeah. It just, you know, there was no speed to the size. Um, I actually think I remember you and Chris asking Richie that one of our first interviews with him was just the amount of prospects we used to bring to camp. Yeah. And he said, I want quantity over, over I want quality over quantity. quantity. Bingo. There's exactly. no point bringing 15 guys. If two can play, that's yeah. you're wasting your billet resources. You're 100%. wasting spots. You're, exactly. And you're wasting everyone's is. time. Yeah. And to me, like these, these are all players. Goran Stobo had a big year at, at Cole Harbor. Um, I don't think he's, he's cube. He's, I don't think he's a Q player. Um, but you get him in a on a maritime hockey league team next year. He's close as a call up. So are these are these kids? Sorry to cut you off. The ones that are coming from Ontario and free agents here are they MHL eligible? No, no. So just no. just uh, Stobo because he's from he's, Nova Scotia, yeah, right? Yeah. Unless okay. unless like, like can they sign him and send him to the MHL? Is that so? The the nice thing about the Canadian Junior A Hockey League is you could say okay, well. Um, Sullivan played for the Wellington Dukes. Okay, right. well, the Wellington Dukes are going to trade uh, Creo Sullivan to 
the Amherst Ramblers for future considerations. Yeah, yeah. and then he's in Amherst and he can be. Yeah, yeah, okay. Bingo. Yeah, because they can trade across the. Yeah, yeah. Not like um, the CHO. Great. So that's that, what it is. That's that's a situation. You know, you could you could see something like that happen, but you know, I think these players are are coming here, and yeah. uh, you know, if you're if you're a returning player, I don't want to call out certain names here. Um, time to get to work. But if you're you know if you're someone who's the same age of these players, and um, you don't think your spot is, and you think your spot is guaranteed. I expect you to, you know, if you're listening to the show right now, you go in the bathroom, you look yourself in the mirror, and you say, "You better come to work," because, uh, and then get up in the morning and hit the gym, and get Time up here, work. hit the gym, yeah, uh, you know, go to the barn, roll some hay. <laughs> you got to do yeah. do whatever yeah. you need to do. Cause, Run on the beach, train on the beach, like yeah. in Maverick and Top Gun. These 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 guys from Ontario are not coming here just just for a little vacation. They're no. coming here to make the team. Yeah. Um. So. These these returning players on defense, you you better come to camp with your work boots on, or um, you're going to be playing somewhere else next year. Yep, and that's exactly what uh, you want when you're rebuilding uh, a third year of a rebuild. You want to be competitive, and that's exactly the team that Richie's building uh, moving into camp. So, um, and we'll get into more of our camp stuff uh, next week, as we're going to be about a month out from that, and maybe even have a roster prediction. And we got a very special guest uh, for our season six finale. Look at that. Six seasons you've been doing this. Oh, well, still five. Putting, you're but still yeah. putting up with me. Yeah. And I wouldn't want it any other the way. The only way you're getting rid of me is in a body bag. Oh, boy. It actually uh, happened almost once. <laughs> what? what? All right. We'll bring that next week. Uh, one other thing that the Wildcats uh, put on their website. I couldn't remember. Not on social media. The Celebrity Sports Banquet um, and Golf Gala. Um, so it's you got a lot of money you can spend. You go to the banquet. PJ Stock is the guest speaker. Again, they're not paying us to say this, but I'm going to get to the reason I found this. Uh, uh, because there's been no marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, a few NHL former NHLers for the banquet, you know, whatever, blah, blah. But the actual thing is they're doing the golf tournament, the Celebrity Golf Classic Texas Scramble, uh, four players per team. So what I'm thinking, Boucher, is if our good buddy Eric Murray of Eric Murray Realty, buy a house from him, uh wants to put in a team uh myself eric you and dobson i i don't understand why that would not be a lot of fun is there a mini golf challenge no okay well i'm out what you, you can golf okay i can hit ball a mile it's a four-person can... scramble so you don't have to hit well all right it's I'll, all, I'll drive it's every all hole. Team. i'll yeah. drive every hole and you guys uh <laughs> you we guys just put ch- chip and putt yeah, we'll call it that. I think that's a. I can, I, hit, I can hit a ball a mile, but just uh, yeah. you know, I'll shit the bed when it comes to the irons and yeah. the putter. So eighteen holes, power cart, golf driving range. I'll take golf eighteen shots max. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> hole in one prizes. So there you go, closest to the hole, closest to the line. So if you can hit it far yeah. and straight, closest to the line prize. Now, you know what? I always bring an extra pair of pants when I go golfing, in case I get a hole in one. <laughs> hey, oh, <laughs> all right. So yeah, I mean, I'm just throwing that out there, Eric. You want to put a team in? A Wildcast podcast team. Uh, we're totally uh, totally on board with that, and uh, maybe I'll get some merch for us, get some shirts and some hats and all kinds of cool stuff. But, yeah, that's it for us. Um, once again, thanks to Nick Riopel for joining us on the show to talk about his uh, draft week's experience and uh, just kind of what it takes to be an agent at, at this time of year. As well, uh, we got a special guest coming up. Um, he's been with the Wildcats for quite a few years and put on quite a few miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so see you guys next week. We'll have roster predictions and a little bit of a camp preview. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.